Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and, when we're not suffering a global pandemic, on location. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept. In this episode, we're discussing storageless storage. Well, actually, it's not really storageless because there's still storage there. Before we begin, let's quickly meet who's on the panel today. Hello, I'm Max Portillaro. I'm co-owner and analyst at Tech Unplugged, and you can find me on Twitter at, at @darkavenger with two Ks. Hi, my name is Matt Lieb. Uh, I'm uh, also a storage analyst, uh, right now freelance. Who knows what happens down the road? You can find me on uh, my blog. is called Virtually Tied to My Desktop, and uh, on Twitter at mbleib. Hi, I'm Jason Collier. I'm a, uh, a serial entrepreneur. I've done uh, uh, three different tech startups, and now I'm actually an analyst as well at uh, GigaOM. And you can follow me on Twitter at Bokenuts. Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow. Uh, I am technical director at Gardner Systems in the UK. Uh, so that means I'm still a hands-on storage guy. Uh, you can find me across social media at TechStringy, um, including uh, my podcast and blog. And I'm Stephen Foskett. You can find me here on the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast and at gestaltit.com. You can contact me at sfoskett on Twitter and also maybe give my other podcast, Utilizing AI, a listen. So before we begin, um, let's talk a little bit about this thing. So a lot of us have heard about serverless and uh, cloud, and uh, a lot of us have seen the sticker on somebody's laptop that says the cloud is really just somebody else's computer. Well, Storage list is kind of the new thing that people are talking about. And we've got a storage field day event this week where people are gonna be talking about storage lists and disaggregated storage and storage as a service. And all of these things essentially, uh, the promise is that they're gonna take storage off your plate and give you storage uh, in a different way. Um, but of course, there's still storage there, right? I mean, we're not talking about the end of storage. Um, you know, Jason, I'm going to start with you, I think, on this one, because, you know, you've seen a lot of different storage architectures. You've been involved with a lot of different companies. Um, well, how do you how do you feel? How does storage list make you feel? Uh, like a, uh, I always like to harken back to some wisdom from the internet. One of my favorites is RFC 1925, the 12 networking truths. And uh, in that truth number 11 is every old idea will be proposed again with a new presentation and a new name, whether or not it ever worked. Uh, <laughs> so um, I, I kind of feel like we've been here uh, uh, before and it sounds like a marketing uh, buzzword and it actually sounds like, you know, it's adding a different, you know, layer of abstraction, um, another layer of abstraction to just kind of hide any of the complexities that are currently out there. That's my take. So, so I think um, Jason makes a really good point about that abstracting complexity, because I think that there is probably an opportunity for the storage industry to start to change the way that it approaches delivering storage to, to the rest of us, because the world that that storage is operating is changing, you know, and, and as we've all seen over the kind of the last 10 months, it's changed at a more rapid pace than, than many of us expected. But I think, it, you know, we can no longer expect organizations to deliver storage in a way that it's a central lump of a storage array sat in a data center somewhere that's not 
how we're, we're that's not how we're delivering data it's not how we're delivering infrastructure it's not how we want to use data and infrastructure outside in the enterprise so so i think there's a there's, there's an opportunity to refresh now whether that's storage is just somebody else's storage is a is a whole different debate but um but i think now's the, the time is absolutely ripe to be redesigning the way we think of storage and redesigning the way we build our, our data platforms and storage infrastructure yeah, and there's also an interesting thing in this uh, storage-less movement is the way that uh, vendors are somehow presenting, you know, the kind of the abstraction of, of storage itself. And in, in most cases, I think that that's something you said very well, Stephen, it's that uh, uh, storage has to exist somewhere in the end. Uh, and therefore, sometimes it feels more like a way uh, of kind of repackaging existing offerings, delivering them more into a kind of a, an OPEX model. I think that Paul was discussing about that some time ago. And it is not really that it's becoming uh, abstracted as it's ceasing to exist, but more a, a way of uh, kind of easing up some of the operational hurdles of managing that, especially financial contracts and so on. But I wouldn't call that storage less uh, uh, for, for any reason. The, uh, you know, Max, I think you bring up a, you bring up a really good, uh, uh, really good point on that in the, uh, when you're talking about the OPEX model. And uh, one of the things I found is more and more organizations, you know, even like say from an MSP uh, perspective, so any type of managed service provider, it's a very OPEX driven business and making CapEx expenditures um, on an OPEX budget is a very difficult thing to do uh, in most organizations. So OPEX folks who make money from an OPEX perspective like to spend money uh, on an OPEX perspective. And I think that's a, that's a very important uh, part in the kind of the value chain of how you buy. If it's located somewhere and anywhere temporarily or permanently, the question then becomes, uh, you know, does your data center exist in a hybrid model or are we looking at a multi-cloud model? And, and if, if so, what does the fabric look like to interconnect uh, a variety of, uh, of different data centers, different uh, cloud providers, different whatever, uh, and, and integrate everything together? It's not all Dropbox and then we all, of course, know how Dropbox storage went. Uh, and, and then how is it integrating with your application? Uh, you know, we all know that most applications don't reside on a desktop, regardless of the desktop. So uh, what is that fabric actually going to look like? So, so maybe I'd, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I think Matt brings up an interesting point. Maybe you know, I, I've, I've listened, I've, I've even appeared on uh, an on-premise uh, IT podcast before. Uh, and I think one of the, the things that always strikes me that makes a really good podcast episode is when somebody asks the question that I'm about to steal, which is we need to define what the problem is. You know, so so we can talk about storageless or, you know, uh, I, I mentioned before the idea of innovation in the storage space to try and deal with new problems. But I suppose from my point of view, maybe the question we should be asking is, what are the problems that the storage industry need to start to solve as they as they look to move forward? You know, and I, I think the kind of stuff Matt just talked about there where you know we're, we're looking at storage repositories in different places is it hybrid is it multi-cloud is it in the data center I think all of those things play a part because as we're spreading all of the locations where we may have storage repositories and places where we need to access our data it, it's presenting a problem to the storage industry and that we're going to have to re-architect and rethink the way that we look at storage and actually to go back to kind of the, the, the original premise Stephen is, is whether 
you know whether storageless is a thing um that part of the challenge is that storageless perhaps needs to be a thing where we can't have our data tied to a storage silo so so maybe i'll throw that question in for for, for the group in terms of what are the problems that the storage industry are trying to solve how do we define kind of the direction the storage industry is taking yeah and i would add one more aspect that you know we as storage engineers and architects understand implicitly but maybe not everybody listening to us might and that is what does the security look like when when you put your your data you know potentially anywhere how does gdpr enter into that conversation and and what kind of compliance regulations are faced by your organization and um, and uh, by anybody that may potentially have access to that data. So I think that we need to kind of put some bounds around this thing because I mean I, I kind of threw it out there that storage list could be almost anything, but I think that um, you know we've got a few different things that we're talking about here. So you know we're talking about uh, basically storage as a service, so somebody else's storage that you're just using when you're using it. We're talking about um, you know so storage as software that just runs as uh, you know I guess what they call software defined storage, which is a term that really bugs me. Um, and we're also talking about this new disaggregated, uh, decentralized kind of exploded storage concept that I think is maybe storage list. So, so which of these things do you think is storage list? Is it all of them or is it one of them? So I think one of the, in, in, if, if we look at who's presenting at Storage Field Day this week, you know, I think one of the interesting areas that, that we, we focus on are what's, what it is that some of those vendors are building their proposition around. So, you know, if, if we take something like Hammerspace, you know, they've built their proposition around this kind of disaggregated storage environment and, and finding ways of presenting a storage namespace that we can use any way we like. And I, th and I think to go back to your point, Stephen, it's the, I, I think we can potentially look at all of those things. You know, it's the idea that, um, you know, what, what do we mean by storageless? Well, maybe we mean the ability to have our data, you know, because that, that, that ultimately, I, I made a note when we talked before, I think ultimately the thing we need to think about is the way we develop our storage strategy is around data focus. You know, we think about the data and how we want to use it and where we want to place it and then build the storage infrastructure to, to kind of sit below that because it's about data and, and the things that we want from it. It's the objectives we have for the data that's important. So I think the idea that we could run our storage as a service, but not necessarily on storage we don't own. So maybe want to have storage that we own in a data center in a colo, in the cloud, you know, maybe we want to have all of those places, but we need to have some kind of overlay, some kind of consistency that allows us to do something Matt talked about before, actually, you know, if you're worried about things like, as you should be, you're worried about data governance and compliance, well, we need to make sure we have consistency across all of our storage locations to ensure that if we're running data compliance tooling somewhere within our enterprise, that that tooling is effective, whether that's in our data center, whether that's in a colo, or whether that's, that's out in public cloud somewhere. I would say that I, I'm actually looking forward to uh, storage uh, uh, storage field day on this, just to, so we can get some clarification from the vendors what they mean. I know how this is like when you come in defining these new. I was one of the guys that, that defined hyperconvergence, and then now look, that that thing took over. I still got no royalty payments, and you know from uh, coming up with that word. And I apologize for doing it, but um, I'm actually looking forward to hearing. Uh, that's probably should be one of those uh, kind of common theme questions that we bring up, like, how would you define serverless? So I'm looking forward to, to really the, the event itself to see, um, to see how that's, uh, that's going to be defined by, by the different vendors. 
Yeah, and, and one thing as well, one observation from my side, and perhaps that's what I look forward to here as well this week at uh, Storage Field Day, is we've seen so many vendors uh, in the storage space uh, come up with very innovative solutions. But when you look at it from the perspective of the data, or rather the way that it needs to be managed in place, you have many kinds of data, you have many, uh, I think Matt was saying that before, uh, many, many types, many... Uh, kind of um, not even types but the, each type of data is uh, dependent on specific regulation you have geolocations and so on and the, the going in and claiming you know that storage license a thing uh, i think is a kind of a pretty bold statement because what what we may need more and more in the in the storage world is a kind of abstraction i think someone said that and i think it might have been someone at cisco live this year or 2020 there's kind of no POSIX for storage I think he said that that's for cloud, but maybe I think that there's kind of no POSIX for storage somehow in the sense that there is no way to really abstract all of the storage you have and say, okay, I'm going to have a, a common namespace and I'm going behind that, I'm going to have all of my storage behind and say, so I'm going to put these things here, these things there and kind of manage that. So, I mean, that, that's just my perception of it, but I think that's what is like lacking the most, you know, because we're always going with, one solution here, which is disaggregated, we have one HCI solution, we have something which is secondary storage or whatever, but we have nothing which kind of covers all of that and helps people really manage that seamlessly. You know, I would add to that, Max, although I think your point is, is absolutely accurate. I also think that as we start to consider a, an environment where, where storage is aggregated, ubiquitous, whatever word you want to use, we also have to recognize that many applications are not going to be able to interact with, uh, uh, you know, the latencies involved in, in a, a storage platform that, that's far away and, uh, and, and, and maybe in a different format, et cetera. So a lot of what we're talking about might require a whole lot of uh, application front end um, or back end, at least uh, re-architecture, uh, and I think that's a very important thing. It's like when we first started virtualizing. Well, not every app worked. Not every architecture was going to accept virtual servers. Uh, same thing started to happen uh, as as we move towards containers. Surely, containers. Uh, work exceptionally well, uh, but there's a there's a whole data gravity component there that that doesn't play in particularly well, uh, and it needs to be accounted for as you maybe move your orchestration layer out from your on-premises infrastructure to some cloud provider or and again complicated by by multi-cloud. So the same thing exists here as we start to look towards new paradigms. And I think maybe just something that uh, Matt's talked about a couple of times um, when he's spoken has been about complexity. And I think one of the things that we, we, we have to bear in mind is that storage remains a complex problem. You know, and I, I think there's, there's an interesting parallel when people first started moving to cloud. People have talked about things like serverless. We have to understand there is still an infrastructure at play, you know, and, and I heard a great phrase kind of last year that, that, that stuck with me, which was the idea that we shouldn't throw away the skills we've developed in our years of experience in the enterprise because we've moved to cloud. You know, I think the idea that we need to take that same kind of thinking with us. And actually when it comes to data, you know, because we talk about storage and as I've said a couple of times, it's not really about storage, it's about what the storage holds, it's the data, it's the application interaction as, as Max has spoken about. 
what, what we need to consider in there is that the complexity that that problem presents you know data does have gravity data does need moving around but data also has security requirements protection requirements there's governance there's compliance needs you know so so we just because we're moving to these kind of different disaggregated models whether in the cloud or not you know we, we shouldn't forget the complexity and the importance the complexity of that data infrastructure and the importance of the data and the information that we're placing on it yeah well said absolutely paul and i think that that's really um you know, to, to get a little serious here, I mean, it's it's all well and good to kind of throw uh, stones at storage lists, but the truth is that it, um, you know, storage needs to evolve, enterprise storage needs to evolve, and we're seeing a lot of steps in that direction. So if you look at the companies that are talking about storage lists, or it's talking about, you know, storage as a service, or, you know, next generation storage, disaggregated storage, what are they doing? I mean, so you've got companies like Hammerspace, and NetApp who are working together. And, you know, I mean, NetApp has been talking about their data fabric for a long time. Um, you've got a bunch of companies that are working on automation and integration with, um, you know, uh, frameworks like Kubernetes. Um, you know, you've got a bunch of companies that are working on, frankly, sales and, and, and service models, which sounds, you know, not cool. It doesn't sound too exciting to think, oh, you know, renting storage systems, you know, that's gonna be a big topic, but you know what? That is a big topic and it's hard to do and it's hard to do it right. And frankly, a lot of people are really working hard to make that happen. And, and if we're going to transform storage, I mean, the, the, the problem is that storage has been a very difficult application to transform and modernize. And the reason is all these things that you all have been mentioning, you know, I mean, data gravity is one of them certainly, but there are a whole bunch of others and, um, you know, and, and, and it all kind of you know, is coming together now with these startups. So, you know, kind of what are you looking for? What are you guys seeing people doing in terms of modernizing things? Yeah, I think one of the big shifts we're seeing, and I've kind of alluded to this a couple of times uh, during this session, is that one of the big changes I'm seeing, and actually one of the big changes I'm encouraging in people is that when they think about storage and the way that they build their infrastructure is to have that focus on data, you know, to, to look at the data and the outcomes they're expecting from it. Because I think once we start to look at data, we remove some of the problems that inherently we've we've probably, we, we've kind of built in and, you know, and, and me as somebody who's been a storage architect in my time, you know, I, I'm as guilty of this as, as anybody else, of building, uh, focusing around infrastructure, focusing around protocols, focusing around speeds and feeds, and ending up building these kind of data storage silos. And while traditionally that maybe has been okay when I, everything sits in my data center and my VMware stack is sat on top of my storage and, and all those kind of things, that's been fine. I've been able to live with that. But actually in a world now where many of us have huge distributed workforces, where many of us are using things as a service, you know, we want to take, uh, you know, things like the, you know, uh, Elastic Database from AWS, or we want to use Google's analytics services, we need this kind of capability to move our data into different locations. And, and because of that, we need to solve different problems. You know, you touched yourself there, Stephen, on the idea of Hammerspace and NetApp and this kind of NetApp data fabric idea, you know, all, all that they, they, they've been looking to build over that last kind of five or six years is a conversation and ultimately a technical reference almost that says, if you want to build infrastructure, wherever you want to place your data, let us help you build that. So whether you want your data on-prem, you want your data in a public cloud, you want your data on a virtual machine. So it's, you know, it's, it's a software driven appliance. 
let us build a, a set of components that allows you to do that. Let's build some orchestration over the top of it. You know, and, and I think that's the thing that we're seeing when it comes to people rethinking the way they do this kind of stuff is to start to take a data focus, think about all the places you might need your data, and then start to think, how do I architect something? How do I manage something that allows me to do that? One of the things to add on to that, Paul, you're talking, you know, really about kind of where that data is housed. And we're seeing more and more utilizations for data being pushed out for edge applications. And, you know, there, there are areas where, uh, you know, it could be, um, you know, an example that, that I've seen are, are basically in the shipping industry, right, where, you know, you, you've got, uh, you know, a lot of data that needs to process, uh, you know, on the ship, and it might be in the middle of the Atlantic and not have a great, uh, a great internet feed, right? So, you know, data has to be processed locality. And then with all the kind of the advances in, you know, basically GPUs making those smaller, like little jets and nanos and things like that, um, the, the ability to actually process an insane amount of data, uh, at the edge. I mean, it's one of the things I saw, like the what the SETI at home now, they've, they've completely gotten rid of doing processing by shifting it over and using unused compute cycles. And it's all being done at the telescope with little like micro devices actually hooked to telescopes so that they can reduce that transmission. So once again, you start thinking about edge. One of the examples I think of was uh, a retail customer that I dealt with I had 7,000 retail locations and they were putting you know edge infrastructure at each one of those talking about managing, you know, a very complex, you know, data, uh, data locality issue. It's like, how do you manage, you know, those 7,000 locations? And I think there are things that are coming, you know, as far as application development, the way people are developing, you know, Kubernetes has been a big push and, and how, how you do, you know, kind of data protection on Kubernetes, uh, things like that, uh, that, that are going to continue to push the edge. But when it comes down to it, uh, I mean, businesses and, and the customers care about the applications that make their business make money, right? And, and what you've got to do is protect that data that, that is effectively the revenue generation machine for so many of the, the economies in the world. I mean, I think, and just to, to kind of build on that, Jason, I, I think one of the, the things that that really hits home for me, that description there and using the data at the edge is the way we use data and the places we need to have data and the way we want to process it and the things we expect from our data is changing hugely. And, and that's the challenge to the storage industry because the paradigms of how we of how we build and design storage or data infrastructures has to change to meet these rapidly changing rapidly changing demands you know and, and i think that, that that kind of edge case that jason's given is, uh, is is a great example of that you know i i completely agree paul uh everything is changing but but the one of the fears that i have when i approach one of these conversations is we do have to take into account that nothing changes immediately and so much of of what exists within the average enterprise customer's data center uh, they may be commodity off the shelf apps. They might be homegrown apps. Uh, we have to be able to be flexible as we make advise, uh, advising comments to our customers that uh, they have to take into account what they already have as well. Uh, nothing changes in, in the blink of an eye. Yeah, I think really what we've heard, you know, from Jason, from Paul, and from Matt is absolutely spot on. There's really nothing you can add to that. It's it's a, it's a blend of all of these. Uh, first of all, like uh, Paul said, uh, there's always been a kind of an, an kind of an infrastructure-centric approach to storage, which is we need that amount of 
file storage, within this amount of block storage, this amount of whatever secondary and so on. And the application owners will go and dump their data on that kind of storage. You add the cloud to it, you add data protection to it, whatever, but it, it is never kind of uh, application-centric somehow. And, and, and even more so, it is not data-centric, so it's not taking in consideration data, and it's, uh, and it's kind of attribute, it's metadata somehow, as uh, one of you guys was saying before, you know, security attributes, local, localization, and geolocation, uh, legal aspects, and so on. So that's, that's, that's one of the, the key things I see there. And, and that, that aspect that was said by Matt is also usually important. You, you are, in, especially in the enterprise world, in large corporations, you're never in a, in, a, in a kind of a greenfield state, whether you like the word or not. You're always carrying the, the, the past, the legacy, and you need to somehow have to, to deal with that at least for some longer transition than, than before. And now if we look at you know, how it's going to, how it's going to, to evolve, uh, Right now, we've been talking mainly about storage as we know it, which is storage based on, on flash media. You have files, you have unstructured data, you have block data, which goes into some storage. But I think what will be interesting to see, not now, but down the line in 10 years, maybe 15 years, is how persistent memory will impact storage architectures. We absolutely don't know. I mean, we've seen some stuff from the SNEA, uh, we've seen some of the PMEM persistent memory uh, frameworks, how applications are going to write directly to persistent memory. And that's also going to have an impact, I mean, beyond what we've talked before about data gravity, data location, how data is processed at the edge or sent to the data center. So it's, it's an, an always evolving world. And uh, that's my closing comment on that. Yeah. And uh... Once again, the, those the application focus, and you know, Max, you said it really well. The uh, there is there's effectively very few greenfield IT uh, implementations that you go into. That retailer that I talked about, I mean, they have their existing uh, you know point of sale systems, inventory control systems, and they need a storage system and an infrastructure that can actually run the existing applications, but give give them the building blocks to go to the next step, right? And that's, you know, that's one of my hopes that a lot of this, you know, serverless based uh, or storageless based architectures are going to give, uh, you know, the flexibility for people to not only run existing applications that, uh, that run the business, but also help them get to the next iteration to define what that next, uh, next generation of their infrastructure is going to look like. Well, thank you so much, guys. Um, honestly, this uh, it's it's always a pleasure to get a chance to discuss things with you uh, with you all. Um, you know, that's one of the things that I love about uh, about Field Day and about going to you know industry events and just sort of being part of this community is uh, you know bouncing these ideas off of you. And uh, those of you listening, I hope you also enjoyed this conversation. Um, you know, this is really what we're aiming for here with the on-premise IT roundtable podcast. And uh, you know, I think that this uh, this group really delivered. If you're interested in uh, storage, please do tune in uh, this week for Storage Field Day. You can also find videos of Storage Field Day. Just go to YouTube.com/TechFieldDay and search for your favorite uh, company or video, and uh, or just maybe you know hit up your favorite search engine. Uh, thank you for listening to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. Uh, please do also remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes since that does help our visibility. And please share this show with your friends. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. 
for show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.